0: You uh, have your Bibles, there's one in the pew if you don't, Ephesians chapter 4, we're making our way through this wonderful epistle and uh, has a lot to say to all of us Uh, and we will get uh, deeper and deeper into the practical side of the book of Ephesians and last week we, we talked about grieving the Holy Spirit. And how sin grieves him. Today we take up another sin. Bitterness. And how that grieves the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and may God give us grace not to get bitter. There's so much we can be bitter about. And uh, But I think in, in verses uh, 31 of chapter 4 through verses 2 of chapter 5. There seems to be one united thought and uh, there seems to be the negative bitterness but then the positive side which is love and so we want to join that together this morning beginning with uh, 431. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And then the positive side, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And may God add his blessing to the reading of this portion of his word. And we find in Hebrews chapter 12, a verse that I'll get to in a minute, uh, on bitterness. And it says there that bitterness is the root. It's a root sin, like pride. uh, A mother sin that produces or leads to offspring. Offspring, like these sins Uh, that he mentions here of wrath and anger. Uh, I think all of these things are a result of bitterness that we hold in our hearts. It speaks about clamor, that is brawling, which is uh, uh, loud words of rage, sometimes cursing. Slander, which is the Greek word blasphemia, which can mean taking the Lord's name in vain. And yelling insults to a person. Malice, Paul mentions here, means the desire to injure. And so all of these things flow out of the root of bitterness. And the second part of this message this morning, which I will not spend as much time on, because we've dealt with the love of God and so forth, but I don't want to forsake that, because we don't need to just put off what we need to also put on, okay? That's so important in our lives, uh, doing that which pleases God. And so that is love, the queen of grace, as somebody said. Paul says there are certain things that uh, characterize uh, or flow out of a life of love. Now, this is agape love. This is the highest love. This is the fruit of the Spirit that lost people do not have. Okay? Agape. And uh, what are those things? Paul mentions them here, doesn't he? Kindness. It's interesting. The word kindness is krestos in the Greek. And it's very similar to Christos, which is Christ. And, of course, Christ was characterized by kindness. And so it's just a... Uh, Sort of a play on words there. Christos, kindness, and Christos, Christ. Tenderheartedness, he says, meaning compassion, sympathy, that comes from the deepest part of your emotions. Pity and forgiving one another. See, from the deepest bowels, I think the King James... And I like that. Yes, an old English word, but out of the bowels, you know. And uh, so... It's important. This is extremely important. So, so Paul is saying here, put away bitterness and cultivate love, simply put. And uh, you're going to really see, I think, this morning the practicality of this whole area of bitterness. Uh, it's really ugly bitterness, ugly, ugly, ugly. And God is not pleased with us being bitter ever, ever. And so this morning, I don't want you to say as you look around, boy, so-and-so over there, he really needs this, or she really needs it. Boy, I can think of ten people that really fit this description. No, I want you to see your own heart, okay? Don't worry about other people. Let the Holy Spirit take care of them. I'm speaking to you. God is speaking uh, to your heart. It's so important that we uh, apply Scripture to ourselves. It's interesting, again, the Greek word for bitterness is pikros, pikros, which is, it kind of reminds you of a pick. And by the way, that's how I memorized the Greek words, is that I took the similarity of words in English that sounded like pick is something sharp. Well, bitterness is... A sharp thing like an arrow, a knife, uh, a drink that you take into your body that feels uh, like something sharp. And then it becomes uh, uh, bad to the taste and disagreeable to the system and ultimately poisonous which kills and corrupts. So the word uh, refers to the inward animosity, resentment, and anger. It is like a pill we swallow and then it corrupts our insides. And often it not only corrupts the insides like a volcano, it erupts and hurts others as well. Very important, this, this thing of bitterness. I want to talk about four things about bitterness. First of all, it is result of responding improperly to a hurt or an offense. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 15, this is that verse I said I was going to refer to, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root, grows up to cause trouble and defile many. That's the admonition right there, the root of bitterness. If uh, bitterness is the root, then what is the seed that is planted to produce the root? The seed, I believe, is someone offending you or hurting you, and you let it stay there until it grows up, And produces bad fruit of wrath, anger, and so forth. It's a root problem. What do you have to do with the root to get rid of the tree many times? Dig it up. Pull it out. And that's what Paul is saying here. Secondly, bitterness is not based on how big the sin is. It is based on how close the sin is to us. How close... The person uh, is to us, particularly to me. Therefore, the closer the person is to me, the greater the potential of bitterness to them. And husbands, I want you to, I want you to get this one in Colossians. Husbands, love your wives. And by the way, I'm not through with husbands we're going to get to that in Ephesians. Just getting, started. just getting started. But it's interesting. He says husbands. He doesn't say husbands and wives. He says husbands. Love your wives. And do not be harsh or the word is bitter with them. Interesting that he says that to husbands. So you just take to heart men if that speaks to you. Uh, a lot of people justify their biz, uh, bitterness because they think they have righteous anger. We dealt with righteous anger, so I won't go into that. But I don't think, we have to be careful that we're not deceived. Uh, just because a sin is against us and it hurts us, it does not give us an excuse to be bitter. Uh, Bitterness is a selfish thing because we're thinking of our rights, our dignity, our respect. And uh, that's being trampled on, and I don't like it, and it becomes all about me. All about me. It's not God-centered. It's not what do I do, how do I react to please him? It's how do I react so I can feel good about myself, so I can be righteous, so I can justify myself. It's all about me. Think about it in your own lives. It's a selfish thing. Bitterness, thirdly, is absolutely forbidden by God. Absolutely forbidden by God. There is no excuse ever for bitterness. We're to put it away. When? Right now. Soon as it enters, put it away. And you can only do this, and the Christian can only do this by the power of the Holy Spirit. Today is the day you put it away. Can you say that? Today is the day you put it away. Kind of rhymes a little bit, but remember that when it comes. Today is the day to put it away. Uh, Also... Don't talk about it to someone. Don't tell somebody else about the bitterness you have towards somebody else. Why? You're going to end up becoming more bitter. I really believe that because I have done that. I've experienced that. Don't meditate on it as we'll see in a minute. Uh, Don't tell the person all the ways that you have been mistreated and you just keep rehashing to everybody you see over and over all the ways this person has been bitter towards you. Fourthly, bitterness is really its own punishment. It's a corrupting thing in your own heart. Here's a great saying that somebody said, Bitterness is a poison pill you swallow, hoping it will kill the other person. Right? Right? I mean, that's really what you want. You want to, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them back. But what happens? You don't get them back. You just become more bitter. And I've been there. I have been bitter against people, against other elders and churches. And it's, uh, God had to do a great number on my heart and, uh, uh, because I was guilty. Because you want revenge. You want to be vindicated. You want to lash out. You want to uh, strike back at people. When people see you and talk to you and they could describe you, would they describe you as a bitter person? Have you ever done that? I have. I said, boy, that person is really bitter to myself hopefully not somebody else, but go, that, you can just tell that that person is just filled with bitterness. And they may not even know it, uh, but that's their attitude. And, uh, and I think even that can affect us physically. I think the spiritual and the physical a lot of times uh, feed off of each other. And I think it will eat at you until you can become sick. Not that all sickness—don't misunderstand me—it's not because you're bitter, okay? Don't take that away. But uh, we see, secondly, how does a person become bitter? There are three main ways, I think. He becomes bitter by holding on to resentment. Now, a lot of these that my points were kind of overlap, but uh, I, so I'm coming at them from really different. Perspectives, but uh, holding on to resentment uh, when your feelings get hurt, when you're sinned against, do you dwell on it over and over and over and over in your mind? Do you hold on to it? First of all, ask yourself do I have a right to be offended? In other words, are they really guilty? Uh, did they even mean to offend me? Because you see, I think in the Christian life, this ought to be priority. And that is, uh, 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, above all, your bitterness, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sins. We ought to put up with a whole lot more than we do, is what that is saying. But we don't. We've, we find that uh, uh, we've been offended. And I'm going to get back, by golly. We need to go to them and say, you offended me. You offended me. Go to Matthew 18. If your brother or sister sins, Go. And point out their fault just between the two of you. See, don't go to everybody and tell them how you were hurt and and how angry you are, and just ooh, and you just build up and build up. And it says, and if they listen to you, you have won them over. That's the whole purpose of going to them, is to win them back. It's not to talk about them so everybody else will know how awful they are. Because love is above all. Particularly, no gossiping. Exactly. And just see uh, uh, how they react. But you don't want to just take your bitterness and hug it. Oh, I love my bitterness. Oh, because it makes me feel so much better about myself because I'm righteous in doing this and they deserve it anyway and it makes me feel better. It's amazing how we Say things to ourselves. Don't love your bitterness. Don't nurture your bitterness. Uh, certainly, don't read into it more than is there. Also, secondly, by being hurt too easily, we can be hurt too easily. Uh, don't be too overly sensitive. Almost too suspicious. Where does it come from anyway? Where does it come from? I think it comes from misinterpreting people's words. You know, why did they say that? What do they really think of me anyway? And so, people when they get around you, what do they have to do? Walk on eggshells so they won't offend you. Because they know how you can't even take a joke. There are a lot of people in here that I really love uh, uh, to tease. And we, we tease each other back and forth. Because we know we're just being silly. Okay. But there's some people you can't tease. Because they'll come back, did you really mean that? What you said, no, I was just teasing. You know, they walk, you have to walk on eggshells around them. You know, we need to, somebody said, cut each other some slack. Okay? Cut each other some slack. I think pride also enters in. You know, they don't like people poking fun at them, they take offense at everything that you say. You need to learn to laugh at yourself. Okay? Lighten up. I remember years ago, and I've, I think I've told this story. Um, I had a cousin who had it was a speech therapist, and he could speak perfectly. You know, it was every word was pronounced perfectly. Well, he came south; he was a northerner, a speech pathologist, and that kind of thing. And so, we were out there in the bay, and we were throwing these clamshells at this old house, breaking the win- windows out. Well, anyway, so we were out there throwing these clams and breaking and now the house was don't, it was being demolished, it was washing into the base. So don't think about it, okay. I did that thing, but not this time. I did that kind of thing. But, but anyway, and so I threw a clam and I hit the wind window, and, and I said to my uh, cousin-in-law, uh, I said, "I just broke the winder in its root." And he said, what did you just say? I said, I broke the winder and it's ruined. And he just started laughing, you know. No, it's window and it's ruined, you know. Well, I could have taken offense at that. But I'm just southern, you know, and that's just who I am. And so now every time I see him, his name is Tom, he comes up to me and I say, the winder is ruined. And he just laughs and thinks that's the funniest thing. And so we hug and And it's just a big, we need to learn to laugh at ourselves. Okay? Uh, Give people uh, some slack. Uh, Don't try to be the center of the attention. That it's all about me. Others also, fourthly, are paranoid. People, uh, everything people say is perceived as a threat. As a threat. Fifthly, others are insensitive because they cannot tolerate differences in other people. He doesn't believe the way I, Boy, his doctrine is whoa, it's that way, wow. And they're insensitive because they cannot tolerate differences. Others are uh, oversensitive because they don't see their own depravity, they don't see their own sins. How far short they fall. And they're very judgmental. And we've all been guilty of these things. This is not something that, again, that you're thinking about the person next to you. Maybe you are. And maybe the person next to you does have a problem with that. But again, no, we all struggle with this. Some people become bitter by focusing on the sins and mistakes of others. Rather than seeing their own sin, and can this overlaps? Uh, remember what Paul said in verse thirty-two of Ephesians four. What does he say? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Whoa! Just as God has forgiven you with all of your faults. With all of your problems, with all of your sins. And believe me, you're much worse than you think you are. Amen. Did you know that? Getting there. No, you don't know. No, amen. I'm, I'm a preacher. Don't you know? No. You're much worse than you think you are. Especially as a preacher. Paul is saying how. See how much God has forgiven you. How can you be offended by the sins that uh, others commit against you? They're small in comparison. That's what Paul is saying here as a paraphrase. And we need to learn to say, no, you don't understand whomever comes to you and talks to you and doesn't really know you. And, and you say, you know what? That was not right. And I want you to know that I'm even worse than what you've accused me of. That's hard to do. Uh, Because you are. You are. Don't be self-righteous. Don't be a Pharisee who are whitewashed tombs. Easily embittered. They wanted to kill Jesus because why? He was pointing out what they needed to hear. And they had deaf ears. The problem is not the other person's sin against you, but how you deal with it. The devil says, well, when the other person quits lying or says he's sorry, then you will feel better. But suppose the person never feels sorry or even says, I'm sorry. Will you hold that bitterness forever? Think about it. We're not to hold on to bitterness at all, but to get rid of it. Why? Ultimately, it grieves the Holy Spirit of the Lord. It grieves, it breaks His heart when we're that way. But you say, I have a right to be bitter. No, you don't have a right to be bitter. None of us do. Thirdly, how do you know if you're bitter? How do you know if you're bitter? Well, Proverbs... uh, 14.10 says each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy. (sighs) A lot of people know, most people know that they're bitter, but some people really never see their bitterness. That's just a fact. And what are some of the evidence of bitterness? I think you're unwilling to be reconciled when that person repents and asks for forgiveness, then I'm going to forgive them. And then they come and do it. And you still don't do it. Because you have not, even though you may say I forgive you, but still you're holding that bitterness. And so you refuse. Vindictiveness, secondly. Thirdly, backbiting. These are some of the evidences that you might be bitter. Verbal uh, comments that hurt, acts of vengeance, outburst of anger, which is clamor, snide remarks, caustic comments, scornful uh, replies. And husbands and wives have to be very careful in this area. All of these areas, but particularly that. Uh, mean-spirited joking. Put-downs, condescending ways of dealing with your spouse. A critical spirit, always condemning and judging. Someone said bitterness is like wearing shaded glasses. Everything is colored by it. Twelfth, a suspicious spirit. Always thinking someone meant something different. A, A suspicious person is totally wrong in their interpretations making mountains out of the molehills. They make mountains out of molehills. You know, it's amazing how we uh, as, well, it's not really because of our depraved heart, but I know some people really get bent out of shape about squeezing the toothpaste from the top. Okay? Okay. And so they go in there, and maybe the whole family has brushed their teeth, and they have a bunch of kids, and it's all squeezed from the top. And they they just blow it. Now, who in the world has been squeezing the toothpaste from the top? You know you're supposed to squeeze it from the bottom, right? Where do you find that written anywhere? but you can actually become embittered over how somebody is squeezing toothpaste. I've seen it. You know, we need to learn to let things go. It doesn't matter how you squeeze toothpaste, people. A lot of times we go on a witch hunt and look for little things. Also, number 13, intolerance, 14, hypersensitivity, 15, disrespect and rebellion against authority. Remembering offenses in detail, a blow-by-blow description of what somebody did to you that happened 40 years ago. If you can do that, get rid of it, because you're still embittered. If you can remember blow by blow how they hurt you and you're still in your heart going, they hurt me and I'm I'm mad and, and let me tell you all the ways they hurt me 40 years ago. And you go, I think that's bitterness. But we can do that, husbands and wives and friends. Those are the evidences of that you might be bitter. Lastly, the last point, how many... How may we overcome bitterness? And these are just some suggestions. First of all, the lost person must come to Christ. He must find forgiveness of his sins in Christ. He must trust Christ by faith so that he might have the power of the Holy Spirit in his life to overcome this bitterness. Without Christ, without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. You have to have Him to overcome it. And so I would encourage, if you have not trusted Christ, and I know that there are those that listen to these messages on on, uh, our website, and if you've never trusted Christ, come to Christ and find power in Him to overcome these things. But if you're a believer, I think you need to, first of all, own up to it. You need to see your sin and take responsibility for your bitterness. You need to learn to forgive biblically. There must be something there to forgive. Make sure that that person really has sinned against you. Jesus says, if your brother sins, go to him. So make sure he really sinned against you, first of all. That's the Matthew 18. And if they did not sin, then what is needed in this situation is love. And that gets to the last part tenderhearted, compassion. You need to repent for making uh, the uh, uh, accusation in the first place. Was what was done to you really a sin at all? Biblical forgiveness is not a feeling, it's an act of the will. God has promised not to remember our sins anymore. Because we're good? Absolutely not. Because we obey Him and, and please Him all the time and therefore He remembers our... No, not at all. He forgives our sins because when He looks at us, He sees Jesus. Jesus. He sees something beautiful. He sees a child whose all of his sins are forgiven. Do we treat each other in the same way as brothers and sisters in Christ? He does not hold our sins against us and we should not hold other people's sins against us either. The slate needs to be wiped clean. Christ paid for them by doing what? And we looked at that in Sunday school this morning. Uh, Ephesians 1 7. In him we have redemption. We've been bought through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. Amen. Wow. See, that's what we have to remember. Uh, don't wait for your feelings to to forgive because it's really your duty to forgive as you remember what Christ has forgiven you for. You know, Matthew eighteen twenty one and 22 says this, Then Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times 70. In other words, every time. Every time, he says. Husbands are commanded to love their wives even when they don't feel like it. Did you hear that, husbands? You're to love your wives even when you don't feel like it. Jesus loves us. Us all the time don't keep short accounts don't let the, the uh, sun go down on your wrath don't hold on to it fourthly learn to be realistic about sin be realistic about sin that is in this world there will be tribulation uh, there is a lot of pain and suffering and sorrow and hurt that's really there. You know, this is not Disneyland where everything is happy, 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 happy all the time. I don't know if you figured that out. But even in Disneyland, there are babies that are crying as they're strolled around. You know, on this earth, there is no euphoric, wonderful feeling. Everybody, that w- that's coming. That's coming. But not now. There's no Garden of Eden here on this earth. And uh, husbands and wives, remember, it's for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health. And then, lastly, and I'll be done, pursue the positive command to love. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, walking in love. And you say, well, that's the exact opposite of what I feel like doing. Do it anyway. You have the power of the Holy Spirit to do the right thing, to do the kind thing. But you've got to so hide God's Word in your heart. I, re, I really believe that when that temptation comes up, the, 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 the Scripture comes to your mind. Husbands, love your wives. Be tender hearted, kind to one another, and then obey it. And then you've got to dig up the root. How do you get rid of a weed? You go up there and just snip off the leaves. No. You've got to actually pull it up by its roots. And then you've got to plant good things. You've got to plant good things. I want you to think of all the ways God has been kind to you. You know what Jesus said? It's... it's, in Matthew 6, this is really convicting. He says, and, for, and this is taken from the Lord's Prayer. And for, he give, forgives our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's huge. But then he goes down in verse 13, and lead us not in temptation, which is part of the temptation. But verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. What he's saying is, do you really understand the gospel? Do you really understand what has taken place in your behalf that you're forgiven all of your sins and you ought to treat everybody else and forgive them as well? And if you're not willing to do that, you better check whether you've ever been born again by the Spirit and power of God. It's huge. And also in Colossians 3, 13 to 14, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on what? Love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. It's all empty without love the love of Christ that's been poured into your heart, you have to go back to God's love for you. Because a lot of times I can't find my love for Him, but He's loving me all the same, all the time. Let's pray. Father, uh, Lord, this, this, this is uh, hard words to swallow because I know myself how I fail in this area so often. and But Lord, help me to be sensitive so that I might not grieve the Holy Spirit, that I would forgive one another and love one another as You have loved us in sending Your Son to die on the cross for our sins, all of our sins being forgiven, past, present, and even future sins are all forgiven. Lord, I can't even comprehend such grace and mercy and love, but You have poured that into our hearts. Help us, Lord, not to be bitter in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, let's uh stand close with one last song.